Thank you for joining us for Beyond the Stage. My name is Ruth Eggerman. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Livermore Valley Arts. I'm here with our host, Executive Director, Chris Carter. Say hi, Chris. Hi. I was sitting somewhere else and I was like, there's weird shadows on my face because lighting was bouncing off the frames. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to move over here <laughs> by, the, by the wine labels. The wine crate label thingies. <laughs> I know. I don't have anything cool behind me. It's like a printer. You have you have the guitar from the George Bowen Guitar Summit, right? Yeah, that's the that's like Guitar yeah. Summit. I, I think I was noticing that the other day when I was in your office. I just like noticed it for the first time which one it was. Because you yeah. have a, do you still have all the other guitars or are those back home? I, I like have you used one to here, one there. There's four in the room. Okay. But they, I, I don't have. They're not behind me. Just the bow on one. And I have at home. I have five hanging up, and then uh, five more on stands. Yeah. Um, when I was married to Eric, and Eric is uh, Filipino, was Filipino. Um, we always wanted to go as John Lennon and Yoko Ono. We never did it. But we always wanted to do a Halloween costume that was John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And I would be John Lennon and he would be Yoko Ono because <laughs> I wore the glasses. <laughs> I had I used to have like those, you know, those round glasses, you know, back when those were fashionable for women to wear. <laughs> uh, a song by um, Bare Naked Ladies called You Can Be My Yoko Ono. It's actually cool because it's like... Yeah. I, I love you so much. I would break up the Beatles for you. Like that's that's how <laughs> intense our love is. It breaks up the greatest band of all time. And it's like that, that's as good as it gets. So it, it's kind of a good way to look at it. <laughs> I've never watched even a minute of that song. He wrote that song for the show. And apparently... This, the story is he was asked to write a song for this show and he kind of brushed it off and his he had like a deadline and his wife was talking to him and he said, yeah, they want me to write this song for the show. And she said, well, who who's the producers? And he said the names of the producers and she goes, I think you should write it. Like, you better do this. And the deadline was like in a few hours. And so he's like in the shower trying to think of what to write and then he figures it out and his wife, he yells at his wife, come in here and start recording. And he sings the whole song while he was in the shower, in the shower. <laughs> and then um they get out and he uh just records it on his guitar real quick and uh sends it to the producers and they go we love it it's perfect that's, <laughs> and that's that made hysterical. him yeah those five minutes in the shower probably made him millions and millions of dollars with that song that's, well that's what they always say like songwriters and and maybe this is something we can ask john about but songwriters like their best songs are written like that well maybe not their not what they might consider their best song but like it just comes to them in the shower or like you know wherever yeah in a wave and it's kind yeah. of crazy yeah. yeah he's done a lot of music for um well his music appears on a lot of tv shows and movies oh and yeah commercials uh so i know that that's 
you know, that's how I feel like that's how I know five for fighting. Yeah. But when you were bringing them down, I'm like, I don't know any of their songs. And then I was like, wait, I know all of their songs. <laughs> I know all of these songs. It's crazy, you know, um, because I've heard them so many other times. Um, they were on, I think, I'm not sure which song was on Scrubs, but I know that they've had some music on Scrubs. Yeah. And Scrubs is one of those interesting shows. Um, it was on Netflix for a long time. And then at a certain point, the licensing on all of the songs that were in Scrubs, which was had amazing, amazing um, music to go with it. Did you ever watch the show? No, not once. Oh, it's a great show. So all of the licensing. I'll watch Scrubs if you watch Big Bang Theory. Okay, okay. I'll try that. <laughs> I know everybody talks about Big Bang Theory as like being a great show. And yeah. I just have never watched it. It's cute. Yeah. Um, but Scrubs is great too. And I think, so there was a point where all the licensing got lost and um, for all the music. And then they, they, uh, they, I think they recaptured it and were able to re-release the series with new licensing on the music um, because it's the music in scrubs is really amazing there's yeah. a there's we've talked about colin hay um doing an acoustic set an acoustic performance yeah. here. well that's what i would like because i fell in love with an acoustic performance he did um during the during one of the episodes of scrubs and it was sort of weaved in and out of the episode and he was actually on camera doing it oh know? cool I mean, yeah, so it was really, it's like, oh, wow. So it's always really cool to hear to hear some of those songs in like a, in a, an acoustic format. Um, mm -hmm. Songs that I, I wouldn't normally, yeah, like songs that I wouldn't normally gravitate towards because the music is different. Um, it's not music that I respond to, but when then I hear it um, done acoustically, I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful song. This yeah. is really fabulous. <laughs> um, I think, I think Bad Brains. Is that a name of a band? I have not heard of Bad Brains. Okay, there's. Some... <laughs> I'm so bad at this stuff, but they have a song. So somebody of that nature has a song, and they're really like a heavy metal kind of super rock band, which is just not my my cup of tea necessarily. Mm -hmm. But when then then I heard an acoustic version that I think they did on. Um, on the Howard Stern show. And I was like, oh, this is just an amazing song. Chris Cornell does yeah. that. Like, well, he, Nirvana, when they did their MTV Unplugged show, that's when they just exploded. It's that's that. an, an amazing, amazing. That version of MTV Unplugged is just out of this world. Like yeah. every song is so good everything about that particular show to the look to like, like in our house I remember when I first met Ed um, and we were talking on the phone together one night and he um he was like oh have you ever seen this and I said I have not and so we both put it like on our computers or our phones or whatever and watched it together over the over the phone and just were amazed mm -hmm. by like we every detail of that particular episode of MTV Unplugged with Nirvana was like it's out of control. It's so good, so good. If you haven't seen it, 
See, they I, came out like they I were watched popular. it in college. I remember when it when yeah. it first came out when it was live. Uh, I saw it live and it was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I um I was having kids at the time that Nirvana was getting really popular. And so I just didn't clue in to music. Like my kids were young and so you know, was, you're listening to crappy kids songs right? when you're in the car listening to the radio yeah. you're like oh what do you want to listen to um so you know I, I gotta tell you i've just discovered this new band called nirvana <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of them yeah maybe <laughs> so i sort of missed the whole grunge rock scene yeah because that's that was, when i was having kids that was when i was in high school and college <laughs> great today we are talking to john Andrasik, also known as Five for Fighting, who is performing live at the Bankhead with a string quartet on Friday, September 15th at 8 p.m. This is Selling Fast, so make sure to get your tickets at livermorearts.org or by calling the box office at 925-373-6800. It was a really fun interview, wasn't it, Chris? I loved it. Yeah, really great. He told some great stories. And he really gave a taste for what the evening is going to be like. Um, and it's either, it's the type of concert that that I gravitate towards, like somebody who's a storyteller and somebody who's, you know, who's going to give us some, he's going to take us even further beyond this stage than this podcast. So I think that's really kind of cool. Really cool. Yeah. And he wants to hear my song. I know. You should send it to him. <laughs> He wants to hear your song. Yeah. Maybe he'll learn it in a month and play it on our Bankhead stage. How cool would that be? <laughs> that would be awesome. I wanted to drop that hint. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, that would but, be so cool. It yeah. A, it's a good song. I like it. Thank you. Are you going to uh, send it to him? Of course I am. I will yeah. definitely send it along. Um, and then you'll have that. How long did it take you to write that song? We talked a little bit with him about how long, oh. like his songwriting process and how long it takes to write a song. How long did that song take? You know, you? that one actually took about 10 years because I started it at, at one point and didn't like how it was going. I liked the lyrics or some of the idea of the song, but I just couldn't figure out the music for it. And then um, years later, uh, I came back to the lyrics and rewrote all the music. Um, and so that's kind of, and kind of figured out the end of the song. And so it was just something I always kind of had in my, um, in my pocket and just was always thinking about every once in a while, but I just couldn't, you know, sometimes songs come to you right away. And sometimes, like he said, it's, it's kind of a long winding path uh, to get where you, to where you need to go. And what the, the name of the song that you wrote is best year bet, of my life. Yeah. Best year of my life. And it and it it is has some inspiration in um, five for fighting's uh, one hundred years. years. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where the idea came from, and yeah. so it's kind of spawned that. And uh, and we, we talked about that how where you get your inspiration from for songs, and for him, it seemed like everywhere, right? Everywhere, <laughs> right, right. Walking down I mean, the street. Yeah, <laughs> we, we won't give too too much away, but. Uh, I love hearing about the creative process. So that's the question I always want to ask these artists. Well, what's your creative it. process then? Oh. Like when you sit down and write a song or what do you do? Well, I, you know, it's kind of all over the place. You know, you 
oftentimes you get an idea for something and uh, I I don't you know have my I don't always record into my phone when I have an idea so I lose it which is always awful but um uh, you know I I like to sit down with my guitar and just kind of play around until I find something I like and then if there was some notion I had had in the past of a, of a good topic to write about maybe it fits with that that melody so you write the music and then you you match uh, usually the, the lyrics music. Usually the music first and then the lyrics. Um, but a lot of times I'll, I'll have ideas for what what the topic of a song would be. So I, okay. I usually have some kind of a starting point. Um, so I do I do think a lot about, oh, that's a good song idea or that might be a good topic for a song. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's everybody writes love songs all the time. And that's yeah. kind of like the first thing you think of when you want to write a song. And so it's, and you try and avoid that at, at all costs, you know, love songs are fine, uh, periodically, but, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to write about anything, you know, just whatever is on my mind at the time. Are, are you always paying attention, um, and listening for, for those topics or from, you know, like, do you always have like sort of music ideas playing in your head? Yeah, do you... I do. And, and, but sometimes it's more about like, what am I feeling today? You know, I, I, I just finished a song called Empty Nest and it's, you know, cause I've got two kids that have gone off to college and, um, and it's just kind of, the, the song's really about, um, I pretending that you don't miss them. Right. And so right. that's, it, it, that's what we all try to do, uh, when, when your kids grow up. And uh, so, but that's kind of what I was feeling at the time. And I, I like to write about those, those things that I, I feel like are somewhat universal that people can relate to that I'm going through personally. Uh, well, I can't wait to hear that because I, I have an emptiness. Yeah. So to speak. Never really thought about it that way. You know, I'm the youngest of five um, and we're all really close in age. So there's five years and four months between me and the oldest. And um I had asked my parents when I went away to college and I was the last to leave. Uh, I said, so do you guys have empty nest syndrome? And they're like, no, we couldn't wait for you guys. Yeah. To live. Right. <laughs> and there's this balancing act between like really kind of truly feeling that way. And then feeling like, oh, I wish my kids were here. And both, both of my kids live outside. You know, my, I have one daughter who lives in Sacramento and one who lives in Hawaii. So, um, you know, it's, like, I just have to take it when they're here. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to soak up as much time as I possibly can with you. And then you're yeah. going to go off and live your life and do what you do. And maybe call me in a week or not call me in a week. And then I'm like, why are you calling me? Yeah. Well, and, and the main lyric in the song is there's no emptiness in this empty nest. And they're kind of, you know, like the, the phrasing, you know, the words, you know, words are really important. What words mm -hmm. you pick, uh, especially the songwriting. Um that's kind of I ruminate the most on that um and because you want to you want to spend some time with it and make sure you're saying the right things uh that go together well uh, do you do you like writing the music more or the lyrics more or do, I mean do you have a preference it's the whole the whole package it's it's fun to like to hear something like to work with that and I also work with my friends who I write songs we write songs together yeah. And to to come up with something and then to record it and then to listen to it. And it's like, wow, I, you know, I, um, 
you know, I helped to create this and it's, it's kind of a cool thing. It's like yeah. any type of art, you know, you look at it and, or you listen to it or, or whatever, and you know that it came from your own mind is pretty incredible. Right. I agree. Um, well, it's a great interview. So stick around. Hear more I love about it. somebody else's songwriting process. I love um, it. I love that's I love that creative process. That's my favorite yeah. thing to ask them about is how do you do it? <laughs> how do you make it happen? Do you do you ever get any pointers? Are you like, oh, that's a good idea? Or is it just you have your creative process? Well, and that's the way it works for you. What, what John said was actually great advice. And yeah. so I, I hope anybody that's uh you know trying to you know working on their creativity or um wants to be any kind of an artist like his um the, what he talked about I, I think was really spot on and yeah. that's that's what you need to do um and and you know it's just you know you could have thousands of ideas one of them is going to be good at one point at some point you know but you, you just have to keep doing it and uh, I, I really liked his process but yeah. uh, you know they all have different ways of doing it some of them it's like it is a real gift it just kind of comes to you but the rest of us have to work at it yeah it sounds like he has to work at it too yeah yeah, yeah. all right well stay tuned for the rest of the the show listen to this this interview with john Andrasik from uh, also known as five for fighting, five for fighting. It's, really, it's a really great he was great fun to talk to yeah enjoy it yeah yeah looks like we have john What's up, guys? Hey, John, Hi. how are you? How you doing? We're Good. awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. How are things up in NoCal? In NoCal. We're doing good. A little bit hot lately, but you're in LA, right? Uh, Los Angeles area? Yeah, it's actually not too bad today, actually. It's like the coolest day we've had in like two weeks. So. Oh. We're kind it's of... actually really it's it's been I just moved down here. My name is Ruth Eggerman. I'm the director of marketing. Just Hi, Ruth. so you know. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Thanks nice for joining us today. Yeah. I just moved to Livermore. Um, I had been commuting for about a half hour, 45 minutes each way. And so I decided to move down here. And um last summer was so hot. I was like, oh, I'm so scared of living in Livermore. I'm like, I yeah. don't know. It's way too hot for me. And it's just been absolutely delightful. We haven't, I think we've had like a couple of days. I've been here about a month and a half. And we've oh, nice. A, we've only had a couple of days that have been in the hundreds. Most days. So are were in you the, in San Francisco or by the coast? No, I was in Walnut Creek, which is oh, okay. just, just yeah, I, I don't know. know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then previous to that, I had spent about 20 years in the San Jose area. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. But grew Good up sure. in the Midwest. Okay. <laughs> so, nice. Um, well, we were go ahead. We were, we were talking about your, the name five for fighting yesterday. Yeah. And I, I was getting quizzed on my hockey knowledge, which I don't have very much of. Well, you should be a big Sharks fan if you lived in San Jose for 20 years. I love the Sharks. It's the only <laughs> hockey I know. And going to, I don't follow them, but when I, but going, I like sports and I like going yeah. to live sports. So going to a Sharks game is unbelievable. Have you ever been? I actually, um, yes. I've, you know, five for fighting does come from hockey. So I'm a big hockey guy. And I yeah. kind of went, I went up there. The Kings played, I mean, I like Kings fan. The Kings played the Sharks for an outdoor game where the uh, 49ers play. 
And I've oh. actually played some of those myself. I've I played the Kings Ducks outdoor game here at Dodger Stadium. I did the Heritage Classic in in Calgary where it was minus thirty with windshield. Um, so I played those things, but yeah, I, I, you know, being a Kings fan, we've had a lot of run-ins with the Sharks and a lot of my friends are Sharks fans. I know some of the former players, but yeah, there's nothing like a hockey live game. Like people that have never been to one or not that care less about hockey, you take them to a hockey game. They see it like it's a terrible sport for TV. You can't see the puck, whatever. Yeah. There's nothing like a live hockey game. You know, and the Sharks, the Shark Tank, there is a great, great place to see a game. But um, yeah, five for fighting comes from hockey. There's a long, stupid story behind it, but uh, well, we want to hear we it. Yeah, <laughs> John. John, by the way, I, I'm Chris, and Hi, Chris. I'm get a director here. And uh, you know, you've you've performed here at Livermore before, so we're happy to have you back. And we've we've had a lot of requests to have you back since you were here. So um, oh, thank you. You're very beloved in this area. And uh, we're we're real happy to have you here. So thank you for that. Yeah, and, and I was talking. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. I was meeting with you, and we were talking about five for fighting. And he was like, "Why didn't he call it five minute major?" It's just <laughs> another way to say uh, five minute uh, penalty for for fighting. And I looked it up. There's a band called Five Minute Major. So I don't know. Oh, there you- is. Yeah. <laughs> they really need to open for me, or vice versa. Yeah, I don't know if they're any good. I just yeah. I googled it. I haven't listened to the music, but well, that the tour we've always wanted to do is Ben Folds Five for Fighting. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've always thought that would be an epic show because we're both piano guys, and and uh, and uh, we just got off off tour with the Bare Naked Ladies, which was an incredible fun tour. That was a blast for summer, and so we're totally switching gears now, right? So you go from these big outdoor rock concerts, crazy fun you know, 10,000 people. And now you do these very intimate quartet shows, um, which for, for me is so fun because it kind of keeps things fresh. And 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 you your whole concert in a sense changes. I mean, certainly you play the, the hit songs, but now you're pulling songs with orchestrations and it's very intimate and it's a storyteller show. And you're playing with these world-class musicians. You know, my, my music director, Katie, just won a Tony award. So you have these incredible kind of string player musicians um, coming off these amazing rock musicians. And so it's just really fun. And as you mentioned, we'd come to Livermore before and and we love these kind of smaller venues where you can interact with the audience and and um, and really kind of show people behind the curtain um, kind of how it works and, and tell stories. So it's great. We're excited. I love NoCal. You know, it's beautiful this time of year. And, um, you know, you know it's, it's coming back to these places we always kind of create something new as well. So even if you come to the show, there's always a few new surprises. Uh, you know, the Bare Naked Ladies, some, somebody had seen their show 115 times. And I was talking to the guys, I'm like, are you the Grateful Dead? You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I think it's an obligation when you come back to, to markets, you know, many times to bring something new. So we'll have some new songs. We'll play the Ukraine song with with the uh, with the orchestra audio and the quartet. So we got a lot of new things for for folks that have seen us before. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. I, I feel like um, you must have been eavesdropping on our conversation. We were just having a long conversation about about the bare naked ladies, and oh. then Ben Folds played our gala last year, almost a year oh. ago. And so <laughs> it's like, wait, have you been eavesdropping? <laughs> That's great. Well, they're yeah. both both. Ben's very talented and bare naked ladies are just wonderful humans. It was really like, you know, the best way I could describe our experience with them was like 
rock star dad summer camp. It was just like, you know, it was just fun, you know, swimming in the lakes, doing yoga, jokes, practical jokes. Um, half my band's Canadian. So, of course, they got along very yeah. well. And, um, but yeah, you know, and Ed, the singer, Barrington Ladies, flies himself on a plane to every gig, flies. So there's, there's such interesting dudes. And, but we just had such, such a good time and, you know, singing Jetliner at the end of every, you know, every show together and singing Steve Miller, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I would pay a lot of money for that summer camp to go there. Just, you know, I would have too. I, I, told, <laughs> I told them, I'm like, man, you know, next time I'll just, you know, just sign me up and, uh, Tell me how you know what I need to to pay for Rockstar Summer Camp because it was so much fun. That's awesome. But yeah, it's great to be still doing it. You know, we're all very grateful. You know, twenty years after we've had kind of hit songs to still be doing this and have people kind of still coming and singing our songs back to us. Well, something we talked about with the, in reference to the Bare Naked Ladies was um, the story of how he wrote the the Big Bang Theory song, and it kind of came out very quickly. And he was in the shower and all this stuff, and it was just. He probably wrote it in like 10 minutes. And um, I was just thinking about like the songwriting process and like for you as a songwriter, is that is that how it happens for you too? Does it just kind of come to you or what What do you do? Do you have to go on a long walk or do you sit down with the piano or what? what's your process of, of coming up with some of this music? Yeah, it's, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. You know, for me, you know, I'm not Paul McCartney or, or Elton John who can just prolifically, you know, just bust out classic song after classic song. A lot of it is just grinding and writing hundreds of songs. And some start with the melodies, some start with the lyrics, some start with a concept. Hundred years was a concept, you know, appreciate the moment. And and um, and yeah, for me, I have to write, you know, I wrote thousands of songs before I wrote Superman, but similar to Ed and the Big Bang Theory, you know, that song came very quickly. You know, I basically had the song within an hour I didn't know what it was I didn't know it was going to be like a song like that but every once in a while you get this gift you know kind of like he did and also sometimes you know when you're kind of forced with a deadline I've had a few television things where okay you have two days and you're like okay here it is and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um but yeah I think like anything a lot of it has nothing to do with talent it's it's just work ethic going back to the drawing board and then having success too is is so much about relationships and and um, being humble. And if you do have some success, how to handle that? Um, that that I think applies to everything beyond music. And me and Ed actually had a lot of talks about everything beyond the songs. You know, um, that's the fun part. Um, the other stuff is kind of the work and 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 part of the job. But but yeah, when you get those gifts like like he got with that song and I got with Super Superman. Uh, you recognize them because they don't come off. And, you know, the riddle, a song of mine that was, was popular, took about a year to write, um, to get it right. I kept struggling with it. hundred years took probably three or four months. You write 200 lines to get the 30 people here. And again, for every, you know, I'll, I'll say record because I think our audience knows what records are. You know, my kids have no idea what a record is, but when it comes to records that have 10, 11 songs, you know, I'd write a hundred songs you know, or at least start a hundred songs, have ideas till, till we pick the 10 or 11 that people end up hearing. So there's a really long process to it um, to get what sounds very simple. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I heard that story too <laughs> about about when he wrote that, and and I certainly related to that. Wow. Do you are do you like carry your phone around and just record into it all the time when you have ideas or? How do you do that? 100%. I mean, back in the day, I had my Walkman, right? I had my Walkman by my bed. And if I'd wake up with an idea, I'd sing it into the Walkman. And, you know, these days I've found it's interesting. I, I do keynotes and I talk about the creative process and are there tools that you can use to give you kind of better odds of these epiphanies creatively. And I found one is, you know, instead of just sitting at my piano back there, or just sitting at my computer typing words, um, I'll go for like a hike with my backpack and I'll have my work tapes on and, and, or I'll go for a run. And I truly believe that there's a song in every room, if I could hear it, wherever I am. So you always have to be on the lookout. And a lot of times it comes when you're not just sitting at your instrument, you walk by, you hear somebody say a phrase, uh, some of your friends or your family members says a phrase, or, or you see a movie and a sentiment's inspired, or you're reading a book. So I really think the key is you always be on the lookout and, and take yourself kind of out of your your workspace sometimes you know travel you know when you go around the world and or go to places you know when i went to ukraine like million songs came to me because i was in this incredible experience i never could have imagined and so doing all these things i think spurs the creative kind of spirit um and as i, I don't know if i answered your question but but i'm always kind of like trying new things and and anybody says like xyz here's your hit song you know unless you're ai it doesn't work for me <laughs> but i don't think it really there. works for i don't think it really works for ai either yeah we, i haven't we, i haven't really been too impressed but i know <laughs> well you know i i read about a study once and it was some research on people who are considered lucky and mm. what are some traits they have and the most dominant one is they just pay attention Mm. And they're always kind of looking outward and and looking for opportunities and paying attention to the world around them. And so it's not really luck. It's it's um, proactively seeking those things which uh, which will will you know are creative or will make your life better. And so I, I think that's kind of what you're saying is just you're you're always like outwardly paying attention to the world around you and, and picking up the clues. It seems like. That's interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard that, but it makes sense to me. Um, you're curious, right? You're kind of curious. Yeah. And you also realize that you don't know it all. Um, and and I think if you have that attitude, you know, whether you like Elon Musk or not, I think he has that. He's curious. And he's also a dreamer. And sometimes you're a little crazy. Um, I think, you know, anybody who wants to do this for a living, you've got to be a little crazy because the odds are so long. So you have to be a little crazy you have to be a dreamer and i think those people can be kind of these you know creative savants um i do talk about in in when i talk about creativity just listening you know listening can be hard um especially if you're in a position of leadership where you're talking all the time and it's easy to listen to yourself but but for me you know listening i probably got more songs from just listening funny story i i was um my my grandmother had passed away. She lived a great life. She lived like 93 years old. And my kids were very young. They were four or five years old. And we were going to her, her funeral. Um, and of course, my children, you know, were traumatized. They're dealing with, you know, the first kind of death of a family member, you know, religion, you know, all this stuff. And, and my five-year-old, we're driving to the, the service and my five-year-old Johnny kind of, you know, from the back seat in his car seat said, daddy, you know, what if there was a road to heaven? 
And that was pretty heavy for me. You know, my mm -hmm. grandmother passed away. What if there was a road to heaven? I'm like, wow, five-year-old saying that. And I didn't know how to respond. And after a few minutes, I finally turned to him and with a tear in my eye. And I said, you know, Johnny, I'm, I don't know, but that's a darn good song title. And, uh, <laughs> and road to heaven is song 13 on the two lights record. So, wow. so it's like, um, and he always takes credit for that, by the way. And, uh, and, uh, but and so, he you know, should. yeah, he should. And so, you know, if you're listening and, and you're living life, there's always things that come at you that, that can be um, inspirations, you know, and some you don't want to use, they're too private, but, you know, some, I think, you know, turn into songs. My song, I Just Love You came from my daughter. You know, she said that to me on the phone. So, you know, if you're listening and you're aware of kind of, kind of the world around you, um, they can, you know, certainly, I think, produce great content and, and also they're honest. You know, they're very honest because they're true. They're real. So, John, I kind of feel you, you brought up the idea of inspiration. And obviously your music uh, has has been inspirational to to a lot of filmmakers and, you know, TV studios and shows and all that kind of stuff. Is there any any particular one in the way that some of your music's been used that's been especially inspirational back or that you were surprised by or anything like that where it's come your own music is coming back at you in this different lens it's a good question you know i have been really blessed to have a lot of kind of my songs used in 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 kind of film and, and television but i learned one life lesson um from the blindside uh experience um so i'd written this song called chances and you know as a as a songwriter, record companies are always trying to get your songs in, in big movies because, you know, it helps. Impressions, helps with radio. You can, you know, license it. So they, my songs tended to be licensed pretty well. And so they'd found a big kind of blockbuster movie. And when they be summer blockbusters that does a half billion dollars and everybody sees it, doesn't matter if it's good or not, they don't care. People are going to hear your song when they walk out of the theater, whether they know it or not. And so we were excited about that, but then this little production company came and said, hey, you know, we'd like to use Chances in, as our end title. And, and I had to tell them that it's already in this, this other kind of slot. But they said, we know, but we know you're a sports guy. We know you're a family guy. And they sent me a, the script of The Blind Side. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, it seems like the song was written for this film. So I called them back and I said, you guys, okay, I hear what you're saying. So tell me your marketing plan. I got to go to my record company. I got to go to my manager. I got to pitch it. And they're like, you know, well, to be honest with you, it's a small budget. You know, there is a star in it, but we, we don't have much of a, you know, expectation for the film. And I said to them, I said, you guys, you're Hollywood. Lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I, I went there. Yes, I lie to me, you know, tell me something I want to hear, whatever. And, uh, so anyways, long story short, I, I pulled it from this big blockbuster and I put it in the blind side because something in my gut said, this movie, you know, is really meaningful to me and the song seems to really fit it. And uh, and then lo and behold, it became, you know, bigger than Rocky. Now, does that always happen? No, but I found in my career, like if you trust your gut and things go bad, you live with that. You're like, okay, you know, failure is part of the process. It doesn't always work out. But if you don't trust your gut and then, you know, something like this happens, then that's what keeps you up at night. So it 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 really kind of taught yeah. me to kind of trust my instincts and understand that, you know, sometimes things go off the rails. But 
but there was something in my in me that said wow this song really belongs in this film and and you know and and you know today it's still you know in, in some oh, yeah in the sense in this in the middle of the country you know chances gets the same reaction as 100 years of superman just because it's so impactful um to, to some people so just more of a life lesson of kind of trust your instincts and and uh whether it works out or not you can kind of sleep well at night well it so sounds like you were listening like you yeah. said you were listening <laughs> i was listening to the myself the, the, yeah. the, the blind side such a huge movie like uh, you know i feel like everybody's seen it knows the story what was the other blockbuster? Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't tell you because I kind of insulted it, but um, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, we, won't, always, we won't put it out there. We'll edit it out. Whenever I, whenever I tell the story in 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 LA shows, like I can't tell you because maybe one of you produced it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that movie did fine. They they did, they didn't need my song, but but yeah, you know, and and sometimes you know, there's also songs that that like. Um, that have an impact that aren't hit songs. Like um, like I wrote the song about Afghanistan, the Afghanistan withdrawal called Blood on My Hands. Never got a spin on the radio, but it became a song that was very important to Afghan veterans. Um, so songs like that, that, that don't have, you know, kind of commercial success, you know, songs like Two Lights that again, kind of our gold star families have embraced. So sometimes we get caught up in these, you know, hit songs and, Look, there's nothing better than having a hit song. Trust me, it's great. It allows you to have a career. But sometimes there's other songs that are meaningful in their own ways as well. And and for me, you know, um, I try to to keep that in the back of my mind, especially now at this point in my career where, you know, we're not going to have, you know, big radio hit songs. And and so, you know, these experiences with television and, 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 and songs, I think you find... Um, you find moments that they're incredibly meaningful for songs nobody really knows. And um, there's a song we're adding to this, uh, this tour called The Best. It's about a first catch with, um, with a parent and, and her child, a first catch for baseball. And I've always thought it's, it was in a, in a little movie called Everyone's Hero that I said nobody's really known unless you had four-year-olds 15 years ago. Um, but we're, we're kind of bringing that back because um, I think it's a song that that um, folks will really enjoy and relate to. It's kind of we're coming up to the baseball playoffs, and so you know I try to keep keep the perspective of of you know just because a song's not a hit song that really doesn't matter if it impacts one person in a certain way, then you know there's value to it. And and I think as a songwriter we have to keep that in the back of our head. Well, and you, it seems like you have a strong support of, of the military and the, and the families and. Our production manager knows you, and he told me this story. His name's Gary, and uh, he went with you to Guantanamo Bay. Oh my goodness! Performed for the troops in Guantanamo um, years ago. Yeah. Well, and then you went into the prison area. I think is what he said that you were the only wow. civilian. You were the first, yeah, performer to do that. Uh, so, what do you remember that? Oh yeah, I'll yeah. never forget it. It was incredibly um, moving, and you know, it was kind of the time where the, many artists didn't want to go down there. There was kind of a stigma, and and um, and uh, I thought, you know, our troops got to be down there, so I'm going down there. And as as you said, we played three shows, but one was literally in the spotlights of the prison, um, and they had this kind of concrete slab right on the shore there, the waves were kind of 
wrapping wrapping up to the shore. And they put my little piano there, and there was a little bar called I think it was called Club Survivor. It was outside of the and it's where the National Guardmen would kind of come and you know have a beer on on their time off and and it was very interesting because because technically Guantanamo is a temporary facility so it's been there decades and decades but their lodgings were like tense and really kind of not great and I'm like and then they were 18 19 20 year old national guardsmen down there and you know kind of subject to a lot of kind of stuff that was not great you know from some of the prisoners you know spitting on them and worse and and to sit there and play it, I have a song called Freedom Never Cries, which is kind of about taking our freedoms for granted. And so I sat there and I played that song and here was these young, I call them kids, you know, guardsmen by these terrorists that committed this atrocity on 9-11 in this prison under the spotlights that were flying around and silhouetted by the American flag and a full moon. And in the distance, there's a Cuban guard, a guard tower with the Cuban soldier with a AK-47 standing there. And and I remember after I did that, I walked to the fence and I was just like, okay, on that side of the fence, they don't have the freedoms we have. On this side of the fence, we do. And in our country, we do because of these kids and these people. And it was, I think it was one of the experiences that really kind of, you know, continued my kind of love for the troops and performing with them and working with Gary Sinise and the USO and, and frankly, you know, the Afghanistan song and Ukraine, yeah, um, those things, I, all that stuff was with veterans um, because I, I just appreciate everything they do in the military family so much. So it's a long answer, but that, that Guantanamo experience really was um, surreal and inspiring. Well, Gary remembers it really fondly too. And yeah. um, when he told us that story, that was pretty remarkable. Please so. give him my love and and, I will. and well, uh, you'll see him. him. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Right. He's awesome. our production guy. Wonderful. So he's looking forward to it. Um, speaking of the concert, um, can you let us, uh, you've given us a couple of hints about what to expect, but um, can you give us a little um, idea of, of what we're going to get? When you, when you arrive with the show? Yeah, you know, as I said, the nice thing, it's kind of very intimate. I can talk about stories. It's very free-flowing. Sometimes audience members ask me questions and we get on these conversations. And the quartet, as I said, some of the greatest world-class string players, Katie just won a Tony, as I mentioned, and, and just watching them every night is incredible. They always do a piece on their own that I don't even know what they're doing that blows my mind. And, you know, it allows me to take the hits and Superman and hundred years and chances and add a new dynamic to those. We always play a song that recognizes our troops. We're going to play uh, the song I wrote for Ukraine with a video of my experience there performing with the Ukrainian orchestra outside of Kiev in this bombed out airport and tell that story of how, how did that happen? How did we get there? What was that like, you know, playing in a war zone with these people, every member of that orchestra, he'd either had a family member killed was on the front line or missing. So you can imagine that kind of experience um, was very moving for me and, and audiences um, seem to really appreciate kind of hearing that story, whatever their views are in Ukraine or not. And and then we always have some fun. There's always a cover too. Um, it is a surprise and you never know what's gonna happen. It's a total fa family show. I tell people, you know, sometimes I know you're worried about bringing your kids to, to rock shows or concerts and as a dad, 
you know, with, with children, I understand that. So it's totally family show. So bring the kids and bring the grandparents and, uh, it's a great venue you guys have up there. It's so fun. Everybody's like so close together. So, you know, we're really excited. And if, if folks want to, you know, send me a suggestion for a set list, now's the time because we're putting it together. <laughs> oh, we'll get the word out. Now you're asking yeah. for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what um, you wish for. <laughs> yeah, but I, I got to tell you, seeing music in our venue at the Bankhead, um, one of the things that always that I always am so excited about is are those conversations between the artist on stage and the audience members. And sometimes they are like true conversations. Oh like yeah. Talking back and forth and ha having, you know, like almost what feels like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, you know, 500 people watching. And, um, and so it's really cool. And sometimes it's just that conversation that the music lends itself and in, in the intimate environment of the bank had really, um, it's just, it's just an extraordinary environment for that, you know? And so I'm glad you recognize that and want to bring that to us because that's what I look for when I go to a show is that feeling. Yeah. And that's yeah. what keeps us fresh for us. You know, the rock shows are great, but they're pretty structured, right? Yeah. Um, you can't, you know, you can have interactions with the audience, but as you said, you can't have a long conversation. Um, right. Bare naked ladies will because they are them, but you know, for us, <laughs> you know, this really allows me to, to really have that, you know, kind of experience. And that's how I like to see my favorite artists. You know, I like to see James Taylor with a guitar, you know, yeah. that's all I need, you know, st sit there for two hours, play me some songs, tell me how you wrote them, who you wrote them with, tell me a crazy story, make me cry, make me laugh. And I'm good. You the know, best. so, all so in. I think, all uh, in. that's what we'll try to do up with you guys there. Well, we, cool. we, we always like that. Oh, go ahead. Upper. I have one more question. Yeah. Um, how long have you been touring with the string quartet? You know, it's almost 10 years now, um, okay. you know, and, and I have kind of six or seven of them because some of them are on shows. Some of them are, are you know, around the world doing stuff. But uh, we got the A-team coming this year and, and Katie will be there. And and uh, it's so great. And the nice thing, too, is not only great musicians, they're like my best friends. They're like my second family. So whenever you kind of do this a couple of times a year, it's kind of a family reunion and, and we just have so much fun. And I think that the audiences can see that too you know they they get that and um so yeah they're amazing they're great i can't wait to everybody to experience them and you know they're they're so funny you know they're so they're so different than the rock band <laughs> that's awesome you know they're, they're... I, I do i do we do have one question yeah. we asked on our social media yesterday uh if there were any questions for you and one of our fans wrote back Brittany wrote back and said what's your favorite song or song you're most proud of of mine? Uh, I, I think it doesn't say you, of yours, well, so you yeah. can answer that however you want. <laughs> well, Brittany, it, it's always hard. It's like, who's your favorite child? You know, I mean, obviously <laughs> with Superman in hundred years, I'm not, I'm not talking to you without those two songs. Um, but the thing I really like about hundred years is that I can grow with it. Um, you know, when I wrote it, I was in the second verse and now I'm in the bridge and soon I'll be in the vamp. So there's something about playing that song every night, you know, where I am in my life. Um, you know, I wrote the song over 20 years ago. A lot of things have changed and, and a lot of things are the same. So for me, um, that song kind of has that kind of life with me. It's always fresh for me. And so if I had to pick one, it would probably be that one. Wow. Great to know. Um, 
I, I I'll tell you, John, I, I, I'm kind of an amateur musician and I, I perform around here and, and we write songs and we did one that we wrote that's um, I think was inspired by that song quite a bit. And it's called best year of my life. Oh, and it's kind of like every year, make it the best year of your life, no matter what year it is. And, to, and I think that song that you had about kind of thinking of, you know, being in the moment, no matter what time it is in your life is, is really a, it's, it's a universal theme and I think everybody can really respond to it and connect to it. So thank you for that song. I, it's a wonderful song. Um, well, you're welcome. Best year of my life, his, his version of it. I've seen him perform once. Um, is, is, I remember that song it's really good. So well, it's, it's a wonderful title. Please send me the song. I'd love to hear it. Sure. Uh, and, um, and yeah, isn't it kind of neat how kind of songs inspire other songs? It's certainly yeah. happened me and i'm not sure there is anything as an amateur songwriter i think we're all amateur songwriters <laughs> <laughs> sometimes fate leads one or the other but you know there's nothing better than kind of writing a song you know creating something out of nothing right and, yeah. and then playing it and seeing how people react to it it's 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 i think it's so good for our, our wellness and our yeah. mental health right so i can't wait to hear your song all right i will send it to you thank you um we i do like to ask everybody when they're here um uh what what are you listening to right now is there any kind of music you're really into that you would, would, would recommend to us oh that's interesting um you know it's it's kind of sad but being my kind of like generation i still am like that classic rock guy you know it's, if my running playlist is still all like you know acdc led zeppelin <laughs> journey queen you know steve miller but um I've been kind of going back and listening to some Ray LaMontagne records. Um, you know, such a wonderful voice there. Um, certainly, I am a big Adele fan, you know, uh, of, of hers. My kids are always sending me new music. Um, actually, my latest project, I, I, I did work with some pretty cool songwriters. They were uh, inner city Chicago high school students. Uh, none of them musicians, but we wrote a song about music uh, in the schools. We're raising money for a music teacher for their school. So um, I had a really fun time working with them and we'll be releasing that song and some videos and doing a, a campaign for music in the schools in March, which is the music in the schools month. Wow. So so I've been oh, listening to a lot to a lot to, you know, Chicago inner city high school students lately, and they're pretty pretty super. <laughs> awesome. You you have a nonprofit organization. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's kind of. You want to talk about that a little kind bit? Of, yeah, it's called What Kind of World Do You Want? Um, and we kind of we had this kind of contest years ago. People would make their videos, and we'd raise money and, and donate to some troop charities and uh, ALS charity Augie's Quest. And and um, with the Afghanistan song, we started moving stuff to Afghanistan and supporting many of these NGOs who were mm -hmm. rescuing people there one called a Project Exodus Relief, another called Save Our Allies. So we kind of use that for whatever projects I'm working on. And, and we'll probably use that for this Chicago music in the schools thing too. I think we may do a contest where people can cover the song and and we can you know have a winner and, and raise some money for a, mu a music teacher in their school. So yeah, it's just a way to kind of help shine the light on the folks doing the good work. Nice. Great. Nice. Uh, well, we'll uh, keep a lookout for that song when it comes out in March. Uh, we, uh, one last thing that we like to do with our guests is a little bit of a game, John, to get to know you better. I hope that's okay. Sure. Um, 
and we call it either or. Okay. So I'm just going to give you two options, two items, and you have to pick which one you prefer. All right, let's do it. Easy. <laughs> so if I say something like dogs or cats, what would you say? Dogs, but we love cats. Okay. Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Uh, mountains or coast? Oh. Uh, that's a tough that's one. That's the time of year, but <clears throat> probably mountains. All right. Really? I'd go coast. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to Mammoth in two days, so I'm in a mountain man. Mountains. All right. There you uh, go. <laughs> M&Ms or Reese's Pieces? Reese's Pieces. Uh, Elvis or the Beatles? I have to say the Beatles. We're actually, we're working on a documentary about the uh, Memphis Mafia, so I have a lot of Elvis in my brain. But McCartney, I'm sorry, just so prolific. Long and winding road. Beatles. Oh, yeah. All right. It's great. Star job. Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Well, Trekkie. All right. Oh, our marketing <laughs> manager. Our marketing manager is a Trekkie. Andrew, you'll have it. to. You're, you're gonna, oh, I'm yeah. going to tell him he's going to be so excited. Um, <laughs> the color red or the color blue? Oh. Well, my 65 Mustang is blue, so I'll say blue. All right. Uh, major key or minor key? Hmm. I'll say minor key, though if you listen to my music, you'll probably find more major than minors. Okay, can we go back to this question? Because everybody says minor key yeah. that we've talked to so far. Yeah. I'm not a musician. I don't yeah. know how to read music. I don't play yeah. music. I could write a lyric maybe, yeah. but why minor key? It's it's kind of darker. It's moodier. You play on the black keys. It's cooler. You know, um, okay. you know, all the major keys sound a little happy. You know, people <laughs> like to be darker, dark moods, you know. Um, but yeah, as a musician, you kind of like, you know, if you want to write, you know, a popular song, probably stick to the major keys. If you want to write a moody, you know, track eight that's 12 minutes long, you know, go to the or, you know, if you're you're a great jazz player, you know stick to the stick to the black keys but but yeah you know i'm not a good that's enough helpful. There. yeah i don't even know me. what key i'm in i didn't even know what day it is so whatever <laughs> works works <laughs> just keep playing um okay piano or guitar piano all right okay hockey or baseball Hockey. Hockey. <laughs> now, these are too easy because I was, I know you're an LA fan. So I was going to say Wayne Gretzky or Fernando Valenzuela. This is so weird because I was actually at a, an event with Fernando two days ago. And um, of course, and he's, he's, he's a God here in LA and uh, a wonderful human as well. So I was with all these baseball players, but we are five for fighting. So if I don't say hockey, I will get sued by the LA Kings. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one, uh, Iron Man or Superman? I've always wanted to run an Iron Man. Um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And uh, if I don't say Superman, I will be a hypocrite. So I'm more than a bird, more than a plane. It's not easy. It's pretty easy to be me. So All right. That's awesome. Thank you, John, so much. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we're looking forward to having you out on the Bankhead um, on uh, September 15th at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. Send me your song, Ruth. Pleasure to meet you. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Yeah, it's uh, a pleasure to meet you, too. My, my pal Gary, look forward to seeing him after 20 years. 
All yeah. right. Thanks. Will do. You're off the hook. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> See you guys. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was so much fun. He's He was really interesting. He was great. Yeah, really great. Just came in on fire. It was really nice to talk to him. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Beyond the Stage. Today we feature John Andrasik, who is five for fighting. Uh, it's not a band, it's a guy. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, we are, he'll be performing live with the string quartet, super exciting. And he'll be performing at the Bankhead on Friday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Get your tickets now at livermorearts.org or by calling the box office at 925-373-6800. Again, that's livermorearts.org or 925-373-6800. I'm Ruth Eggerman. And I'm Chris. We'll Thanks see you at the show. I'm more than a bird. I'm more than a plane. I'm more than some pretty face beside a train. And it's not easy.